0: ...than the other details and it 's certainly true that uh, different gospel writers retell stories in a you know, different order in slightly different ways uh, with quite different sort of theological language and agendas and so on and that 's in a sense why it 's quite interesting that we have these four gospels recognized by the church from the from the earliest times as being all um, essential necessary uh, to um, the, ca- the canon the rule uh, of um, the scripture that was being gradually recognised in the first couple of centuries um, despite the f- obvious fact that there are differences between them and, and discrepancies between them and so on um, that yet all four are retained um, by the church rather than anyone saying right well let's just you know standardise on this way of telling the story and Get rid of the others, um, which is what happened uh, in Muslim tradition with regards to getting the Quran uh, into a standardised uh, form, um, which is something that makes it much harder to uh, to talk about getting back to the original text of the Quran. I was just reading a book of um, textual comparison between the Quran and and uh, the New Testament, uh, and saying that there wasn't really any such thing as the Original text it was given in various different bits of wall history and so on, um, but even in terms of trying to get back to the earliest information because at a later stage there was a concerted um, coordinated effort to um, to standardize uh, the text and to get rid of um, weed out uh, alternative uh, ways of telling those uh, those stories and so on, and then it makes it very hard um, to do. Uh, this kind of textual analysis uh, that we can do on the New Testament in terms of getting back to what was originally uh, written. Uh, Do we have now what they wrote then? Um, It's all very well thinking that there were well-placed sources who knew what they were talking about, who, fairly hot upon the events in terms of ancient history, reported those events and set them down. If what we have in our New Testaments today is not a faithful and at least mainly accurate representation of what was originally set down if it hasn't been transmitted to us uh, accurately. So neotheist Sam Harris uh, complains uh, about the New Testament uh, being evidenced by discrepant and fragmentary copies of copies of copies of ancient Greek manuscripts. But again, like that that we had from Richard Dawkins earlier that's the sort of um, tendentious half-truth really um, yes we don't have any of the original manuscripts the, the autographs uh, of these books um, yes what we do work from are copies of copies probably some of them are copies of copies of copies and so on we have a large stretch of history of written uh, copies But that's kind of spinning it in a certain way and not in the most plausible way by any stretch of the imagination. So we're moving on from links one and two to looking at the the gap, as it were, the link uh, between the original report, the autograph, and the surviving copies of that original document. And the link between that and the text we can reconstruct today. This is, uh, I always like quoting, as you may have noticed, from non-believers where I can. This is Anthony Flew, who uh, was for many years a very famous uh, atheist uh, British philosopher. Although he came to believe in a God uh, in the last uh, few years of his uh, life, he didn't become a Christian. And this is a quote from uh, when he was an atheist. He said, the uh, the textual authority, the earliness and the number of manuscripts for most of the Christian documents is unusually great. That's very good authority for the accuracy of the text that's provided in translation in the New Testament. As Christian uh, writer Norm Geisler puts it, the average time span between the original and the earliest copy the autograph and the earliest copy of ancient texts is over a thousand years the average gap that uh, textual critics work with however the New Testament has a fragment within a generation of its original composition, whole books appear within a hundred to two hundred years of the original, most of the New Testament within two hundred years and the entire New Testament within two hundred and fifty years from the date uh, of its completion so I like putting these things in little word graphs um, so here's a comparison again and I haven't, I haven't picked uh, ancient works in order to make the Bible look good um, you know, um, so we have here uh, the works of Aristotle Herodotus, Plato, um, Tacitus' Histories Caesar, uh, Homer, uh, Virgil And then uh, the New Testament, I've got two bars for the New Testament, because this is for the the whole New Testament, and this is for those earliest uh, fragments of the New Testament. So it's sort of between here and here, uh, we have a bunch of, of texts of more or less of the New Testament. But you can see, in terms of the gap between the autograph and our earliest surviving copies... The New Testament is outclassing everything else on our bar chart. Uh, We have complete copies of the Gospels uh, from about AD 325 to 350-ish. Things like Codex codex Sinaiticus is the picture here, Codex Vatinicus and so on. We've got major portions of, say, all four Gospels and the Book of Acts from about AD Uh, 250-ish. This is the Chester Beatty papyri, uh, so-called. We're several pages from Luke and John, circa circa AD 200 in the Bodmer papyri here. Um, You see the earlier we get... The, the, the back to the source the, the further back in history we are the less tends to survive of course through the ravages of time and the smaller the scraps uh, become but this, I, I mentioned this earlier this is that scrap of John's Gospel it's called the Violence Papyrus uh, dated from around about AD 120, 130-ish um, that uh, helped push the date of John's Gospel back into the first century because this is a uh, uh, a copy, maybe a copy of a copy, or whatever. Uh, this is not the original, but this comes from um, just this, uh, this side of the, the century turn there. This is quite a long quote, but it's useful information here. This is uh, Timothy Paul James. Notes: there are about 5,700 or so Greek new testament manuscripts and of course there are copies in other languages as well because as the gospels went out to different communities it got translated in that process into different languages and you have sort of different sets of uh, sort of um it, it's a bit like looking at um uh, evolutionary tree pictures uh different branches twigs coming off them and, and so on and you can make that kind of of picture for the the radiation of the Uh, the Gospels out uh, into different areas geographically and and linguistically and then you can compare those different traditions with each other and so on but there are just 5,700 or so Greek New Testament manuscripts available to us and they might differ from one another in as many as 400,000 places now that sounds like a lot of differences between these manuscripts but that's because there's a heck of a lot of manuscripts there's more differences than there are words in the New Testament but well, that's because there are so many manuscripts and every spelling mistake every missing out of a word or a- every difference between those manuscripts is counted here um, in this, that's the upper end uh, figure 400,000 uh, four, yes uh, as it says, there are only 138,000 or so words in the New Testament. Now, most of these variations stem from differences of spelling, uh, word order, the relationships between nouns and definite articles. Um, it's things like, you know, where in English uh, we have um, um, a book, an apple, okay, and we're saying there was one of this, but a is a different word than an. And so if the scribe, as it were, has put an apple rather than an apple, well, that's one of these differences, linguistically. But that doesn't affect in any way, shape, or form the information that's been communicated there. You know, there was one of this thing. Um, So a a lot of these variations between this huge bunch of manuscripts are things that make no difference to the actual information content that's being transmitted there. Uh, They are like obvious misspellings or grammatical uh, mistakes of that kind of kind. kind. Or in Greek, um, you often put, um, when talking about people, you'd say, uh, the Mary Magdalene said... um, We don't talk that way, uh, write that way in, in English, but if you missed out the the say, so, because you're going a bit quick, that scribe that day, um, and just says, Mary Magdalene, you've missed out there. There's, there's a textual difference, but makes no meaning difference in the text. Um, and I've read some estimates that perhaps 1% of all of these textual variants actual makes uh, is a sort of viable, um, uh, meaningful uh, difference in what's being communicated. So, uh, mistakes that, as uh, it says here, are virtually unnoticeable uh, in translation. In the end, more than 99% of these 400,000 differences fall into the category of virtually unnoticeable variants. Of the remaining 1% or so, only a few have any significance for interpreting the biblical text. And most importantly, none of the differences affects any central Christian teaching. Um, They're all in tertiary uh, matters. Mark D. Roberts, New Testament scholar, says the abundance of manuscripts, we only have so many textual variants because we have so many manuscripts to work with. The abundance of manuscripts, the antiquity of the manuscripts, when run through the mill of textual critical methodology sort of comparing the different trees and trying to to work out what's the most plausible original wording, allows us to know with a very high level of probability what the evangelists and other New Testament authors wrote. We can have confidence that the critical Greek texts of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John represent with a very high degree of probability what the autographs of the Gospels actually uh, contained. Because we've got so much data uh, to work with in this case. Um, not something that could be said about comparing the Bible with the Quran incidentally so here's a few more graphs Uh, this is in terms of how many ancient manuscript copies as it were of the original text Um, so uh, the closest this is the closest uh, analogy to the New Testament in terms of how many uh, manuscripts and that's uh, Homer's works with about 640 or so uh, different manuscript copies of Homer's like Iliad Odyssey and then we jump to uh, uh, Aristotle and uh, you know you, you're getting around about sort of 10, 20 manuscripts the work of Plato survives in 7 manuscripts uh, that's what we base our texts of Plato's dialogues on uh, for the New Testament 24,633-ish. If we look at just the Greek, that 5,700 that I mentioned, you can see this is the the next best attested in terms of how many manuscripts. Um, Now this is, you have to go into things like, well, okay, because these appear over a, a long historical period... Um, obviously the earlier ones are fragmentary and the later ones they become. you get more and more and more we've, we've seen some of the, the texts where you get by the 2nd, 3rd century um, texts in, in, in different from that little John Ryland's fragment from the early 2nd century and so on um, but still it gives you a fairish idea I think of the kind of comparative um uh, relationship between what we're basing the text of the the canonical gospels on versus what we're basing other things in ancient writings ancient history on Um, and the argument would basically run if you wanted to be skeptical about trusting the gospels on the basis of saying i don't think there are enough manuscript copies for textual criticism to work with to reliably work out what the original said well if you were going to say that about the the gospels you'd have to say that about the whole rest of ancient literature because it rests on far flimsier foundations than the the gospels do there is nothing, as uh, Geisler and Turek say, from the ancient world that even comes close uh, in terms of manuscript support uh, to the New Testament. Most, most other ancient works survive on fewer than a dozen manuscripts, uh, and yet few historians would question uh, the integrity of those texts. So, uh, N.T. Bishop N.T. Wright uh, says there's better evidence for the New Testament than for any other ancient book in this uh, manuscript terms. The New Testament we have in our printed Bibles does indeed go back to what the very early uh, Christians wrote. I'll say something uh, rather brief about confirmatory evidence from non-biblical sources. Um, You've got a paper on the the stool about archaeological confirmation where you can archaeologically check out something that someone like Luke um, says. If every time you check him out... Um, you don't disprove him and even better you can prove him in some cases when he's talking about you know just tossing off names of uh, particular officials or uh, towns or geography or particular building or whatever you start building up uh, an impression that he tends to know what he's talking about when we can check him out so we should probably trust him even in those instances where we can't independently check him out Um, this is a French atheist Michel Enfray and he mistakenly asserts that there are only two or three vague references to Jesus in ancient texts outside of the Bible Um, Gary Havermass who will be uh, here in October along with Bill Craig at the conference in London uh, points out that a number of ancient secular sources mention various aspects of Jesus' life Corroborating the picture uh, we have from the Gospels, Um, including uh, ancient historians such as Tacitus, Suetonius, Phallus, Jewish sources such as Josephus and the Talmud, government officials, uh, Roman officials like Pliny the Younger, uh, even the Roman Caesar, uh, Trajan, Hadrian, describe early Christian beliefs and practices. So they're not talking about Jesus directly, but they're describing what Christians uh, did uh, and believed. So it's a sort of uh, one remove there. Greek historian satirist Lucian and uh, Sauron Mara Serpian provide other details. Here's a take home. At least 17 non-Christian writings record more than 50 details concerning the life teachings, death and resurrection of Jesus, plus details concerning the earliest church, earliest Christian beliefs. Uh, Dated approximately 20 to 150 years after Jesus' death, those secular sources are, again, quite closely related in terms of the average gap that you might be looking at. Um, Between them, you can piece together a kind of outline of uh, Jesus' life and ministry just from looking at non-Christian sources. Uh, Jesus lived during the time of Tiberius Caesar... That he was thought to be virtuous, that he was thought to have worked wonders, uh, that he had a brother named James, that he was acclaimed Messiah by some people, that he was crucified by the Romans under Pontius Pilate, that he was crucified on the eve of the Jewish Passover, that darkness and an earthquake occurred when he died. We mentioned this earlier. There are in those secular, you know, uh, pagan Jewish, so on sources all of this. uh, his disciples believed that he rose from the dead his disciples were willing to die for their claim their belief that he rose from the dead that christianity spread fairly rapidly as far as rome and that his disciples would deny the roman gods and worshipped jesus as uh, a divinity and you can piece together those bits of information just from looking at sources outside of uh, the new testament and christian sources this is not even looking like early church fathers like ignatius and so on that would be a whole other uh, stream of things to look at so here's a nice summary and i i, I really appreciate rt uh, france's way of putting it here he says at the level of their literary and historical character and those are the two sort of aspects that we've looked at we've got good reason to treat the gospels seriously Historical arguments are not going to get you to theological uh, beliefs about uh, inerrancy and inspiration and and so on. That's kind of coming at the text from a a different um, angle, uh, as it were. But purely looking at them through the kind of questions that historians ask of ancient texts... They stack up pretty darn well. Many ancient historians, uh, says France, who came from a classicist uh, background, I believe, uh, would count themselves fortunate to have four such responsible accounts written within a generation uh, or two, he says about then, within a generation or two of the events and preserved in such a wealth of manuscript evidence that allows us to do work on what's the most plausible original rendering But then he goes on, he makes a significant point, I think, when he says, beyond that point, beyond where the kind of probabilistic arguments of history can take you, the decision as to how far someone is willing to accept the record they offer, Gospels offer, is likely to be influenced more by his openness or otherwise to a supernaturalist worldview than by strictly historical considerations and I think that's right Um, just as much as someone who put a um, okay well you know I believe as a Christian that the Bible is the inspired word of God etc 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 therefore everything that the gospels claim about Jesus must be true if you could understand someone who wasn't coming from that theological position sort of saying you're just sort of deducing this from on high you're just putting out your statement of faith first and then making deductions as it were about what must be historically the case rather than saying what is good responsible historical method Uh, uh, apply it to this text and what does that tell us Well, equally, people who uh, come from, well, you know, there there isn't God, so those theological things can't be true, uh, so miracles can't happen, um, so the fact that Jesus seems to predict the fall of the temple... Uh, means that since you know, prophecy couldn't be true, that must mean that the Gospels must be dated later than the destruction of the Temple in AD 70. Uh, so, uh, you know, and... You know, blah, blah, blah. So John's probably, you know, from the second century, as a one-time stream of analysis went, uh, is equally kind of um, putting the... Um, the philosophical horse, as it were, before the, the historical cart. Um, it was that line of thought, of course, that, that then ran into the discovery of this John Ryland's um, fragment of John's gospel <laughs> dated to early in the second century uh, and um, showing that John must have been written before um, that and pushing the, the gospel's data and the trend in scholarship Um, since sort of the day of of Boltman and so on back in the 19th century has been progressively pushing the dates of these things earlier closer to the events Um, but as I said earlier the the even more significant question is not so much when were the Gospels completed as the Gospels we now know them but what is the information that they're drawing on who are the sources that they're drawing on Um, Looking at the sources behind, you see that we're getting access in the Gospels to information that goes within 20 years, which is darn good in terms of ancient historiography. Uh, And then looking at, well, have we got now in our Bibles what was written back then, although we don't have the originals, because we've got so many different manuscripts um, in different languages and so on, um, through textual criticism we can work out with a very high degree of probability, but not certainty, what the original uh, text was.